Hi everyone, it's Bill Black, the Exit Coach from the Exit Coach Radio Show. You know, one of the biggest questions I get on the show is what exactly goes into a business exit plan and when should I start creating mine? Well, I always tell people that the best time to start was five years ago, but the next best time is now because you never know when you might need it. So we put together a free report that describes what an exit plan is and what you should know. You can get it free by texting exit plan with no spaces to 44222. That's exit plan to 44222. Again, text exit plan to 44222. Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. All right, and thank you listeners for joining me today. It's always a pleasure to have you with me. Uh, We're going to uh, move on to my next guest uh, who's joining us from Glenview, Illinois, um, Jeff Blackman. Uh, And Jeff uh, is a Hall of Fame speaker, best-selling author, award-winning business growth specialist. And today we're going to talk about helping you to uh, peak your profits, which is also the title of the new fifth edition of his best-selling book, peak your profits. So, Jeff, thank you so much for joining me today, and welcome to the show. Hey, my pleasure, Bill. Thanks so much for inviting me. Tell us a little bit about you and your your business and how you got into this world of, of helping people to grow their profits in their business. Well, long before I chose to be a speaker or an author or a business growth specialist, I thought I would actually be an in-the-courtroom litigator. So I'm a lawyer. I've been a lawyer since 1982, The good news is I chose to never actually practice the law. So I am an attorney, sat for the bar exam, thankfully passed it the first time, and I actually renewed my license from 1982 through 1990 and then realized, wait a minute, I'm never going to make a penny practicing law. It's not going to be a plan B. I found my passion in 1982 when I decided not to practice the law. Background was also in broadcasting, both radio and TV. So I've done radio here in Chicago, and I've done television as well. And I started to combine really what were my loves, my passions, and my strengths in terms of speaking, training, consulting, writing. And I always tell clients that gravitate toward your strengths, gravitate toward your passion. Find people who are passionate about what they love to do and let them do their thing so you can do your thing to then complement it. When you find your passion and you pursue that with intention, then money is able to find you instead of the other way around. Love it. Well, it's it's, uh, a happy person who has found their passion and found a way to implement that and make their living at that. Uh, When you work with business owners, um, what are the the driving motivators for any decision maker that you work with? You know, what's really interesting is that it does not matter the industry that I work in, and whether that's been true over the past year or, for that matter, the past 38 years since I've been in business, the driving motivators for every customer, client, or prospect are the same. And it's true of the clients that I serve as well as for those that they serve. And I always tell clients, Bill, they've got to first understand what those motivators are. And the first one is all anybody wants you to do for them is to improve their condition. That's their current state. They've got a problem, solve it. They've got a need, fill it. They've got a dream or goal, 
help me realize it. So if you help them improve their condition, then you can move on to the second motivator, which is helping others attain a more favorable future. The reason that you have conducted well over a thousand interviews with top advisors and authors is because your listeners want to improve their condition and they want to attain a more favorable future. So just before you and I hopped on together, I was listening to the final few minutes of your interview with Cindy in terms of her advice with respect to COVID-19 and a coronavirus action plan. Hey, that is a present problem. Improve my condition. Okay, so what's the game plan for the future with respect to whether it's unemployment, if I'm an independent contractor, what's the game plan in terms of what type of loan I might be able to get that's going to help me attain a more favorable future. And most of my clients, when I start to work with them, really don't have an initial real understanding as to why someone is motivated to do business with them. They think it's about a product or a service or a solution. And I stress to them, it's not. Because that's really about the is, which is the feature or the fact, and they need to focus on the does, which is the impact it's going to have with that condition or the more favorable future. Now, here's the good news. If you help others attain a more favorable future and improve their condition, then guess what, Bill? You do the exact same thing for yourself in the growth of your business, and that's how you peak your profits. I love that. That's that's really clear. Makes a lot of sense, and uh, it really helps to frame what a lot of this service work is really all about. You stress, I believe, the significance of asking great questions. Why is that? Well, what's so interesting is whether I'm working with a client one-to-one, whether I'm working with their team in a keynote seminar workshop environment, most people, when I initially start to work with them, I'll ask them politely, how many of you have got what I call, Bill, a dynamic dozen? And they look at me like, what are you talking about a dynamic dozen? Is this muffins? Is it cupcakes? Is it bagels? What do you mean a dynamic dozen? And I stress to folks that at a minimum, they should have a dynamic dozen or 12 open-ended need development questions. They begin with a who, a what, a when, a where, a why, a which, a how, a tell me more about, or even an E or a D, meaning explain to me how. Describe for me. So one of the key things that I work on with folks is what is your dynamic dozen? Now, of course, you can develop far more than just 12 questions, which we encourage people to do. And they can have questions that are applicable to a different audience or decision maker, a different product or a service, a different industry or sales cycle, whatever it might be. But they really want to be able to deepen and strengthen the relationship based upon the questions that they ask as opposed to the statements they make. Most people will engage in what I call information overload. They will do these data dumps, and it's drivel, Bill. They think they're going to impress you with the number of clients they've served, how long they've been in business. And I tell my clients, that's a financial faux pas. It's a bottom-line boo-boo. It's a business blunder. Nobody cares. They go, well, so what do I do? How do I tell my story, Jeff? And I go, you're going to be able to tell your story by asking terrific questions like, tell me more about some of the challenges that you're facing. What has brought you incredible success, yet lately it's not working? What are some of the things that your competitors are doing that you wish you would be able to do? 
And I actually ask clients this question, or their potential clients, is how are we going to measure success? What will you value most in the relationship that you'll have with me and Blackman and Associates? So I've got hundreds of questions. And if you'd like, I can even give something to your listeners right now if they'd like to take advantage of, and that's called the Sweet 16. So if your listeners would like, I'll give them a jump start to help them ask their dynamic dozen if they simply send an email to Cheryl at my office, that's S-H-E-R-Y-L, at jeffblackman.com. And in the subject line, Bill, all they got to put is Sweet 16, Bill Rocks. So when we see that, we know exactly where it came from. And then Cheryl will send them a jumpstart of initial Sweet 16 power probes that they can adapt or use immediately to be able to grow their business. That's great. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. How do you know, uh, Jeff, when you've asked a question that is uh, peaked, uh, that, that's worked for someone that you're talking with? Well, is there a telltale sign? Yeah, what's really interesting is that initially I might get some folks who are resistant, and they don't want to answer questions. We'll just say, hey, Jeff, how can you help us? Check your calendar. Are you available on? And I say, that's premature. First, I've got to have a real understanding as to what your specific goals are and your desired outcomes. And then I let them know, i.e., if I'm talking, Bill, to a president or a business owner or whomever it might be, I say, hey, Bill, other business owners like you, one of the things that they really value is for us to truly determine the world's fastest strategic plan. And they go, what do you mean? I go, well, together, these questions will help us figure out where are you, where would you like to be, and then how do you want to get there? Then and only then can I begin to make really the best recommendations or result solutions to help you, your team, prosper and grow. So I stress to them, first, the rationale behind the questions is to help them. It ain't about me. It's about them. And when I get folks who are decision makers say to me, whoa, I've never been asked that before, or you're challenging me to think that's good news. I want to challenge my clients to think. One of the greatest compliments that I've ever had, and then it actually reoccurred last week, I'll take you back several decades. So I had a CEO years ago who said to me, you know, Blackman, one of the things that I really love about you and that I really dig in our relationship, and he was the CEO of a multi-billion dollar company who I had worked with for years, and he said, I love the fact that you never protect your butt and you never kiss mine. And that actually <laughs> was a supreme compliment. And his people cracked up because they knew what I was doing was challenging him. I didn't only challenge his people. And during a coaching session last week with a client that was done virtual, or I've done virtual and video result sessions with clients for years. So we had the team together last week, and we're talking about accountability. And I said to the folks, I said, hey, Ask your president as to whether or not I keep him accountable. And he said, he keeps me accountable, too. He is a royal pain in the butt. <laughs> and we all cracked up. And I went, well, that's the good news. is because his folks know I treat him the same way. That's actually one of the questions that I ask people, including CEOs, presidents, business owners. I say, hey, Bill, as we work together how do you want me to share information and communicate with you? They go, what do you mean? I go, do you want to be honest or diplomatic? And they go, no, no, of course, be honest. So I never beat up anybody, 
but they know they will always get it straight from me, but they will never hear me say, let me be honest, to be honest. And during a coaching call with another client yesterday, she happened to sneak in in about the first 10 minutes, three or four, uh, to be honest, Jeff, let me be honest, honestly. And then I politely said to her, I said, do you realize how many times you said that? She goes, oh, my gosh. She said, in December, you told me I need to keep working on that. And you mentioned it again in January. So it's a habit. So most people fall prey to their habits. One of the things that I attempt to do with really good questions is to get people out of their old habits to help them create new ones that are just more productive and more profitable for them. Terrific. Uh, in in uh, today's marketplace has been called a price-driven marketplace. Um, you know, everything's on the Internet. Everybody wants to know how much, how much, how much. How do you create value in a price-driven marketplace? Uh Terrific question. And what's so interesting is so often I will have folks who will say to me, hey, Jeff, my business is a price-driven market. And I go, you are absolutely right. They go, what What do you mean? I go, well, you just told me it's price-driven, so therefore it is. They go, well, what do I do to create value? I go, well, apparently you can't. You just told me that it doesn't matter. And they go, wait a minute, I didn't say that. I go, no, no, you, you did. So what I politely do is I challenge them to rethink what it is that they do and how they attack the marketplace. So with a couple of polite questions, I help them realize that, okay, in order to create value, the only way you really create value is to truly be able to understand what's of significance to your decision maker. Now, I'll share with your listeners a really simple question that will help create distinction, and this in itself creates value. So most people build in a competitive situation. If they find they're up against competitor A, B, or C, whomever it might be, what they attempt to do is, hey, let me tell you what makes us better than A, B, or C. That's actually a losing strategy. And the reason is pretty simple. Bill, you and I both know folks do not like to be told they're wrong, they made a bad decision, they obviously get really defensive. So instead, what I encourage my clients to do and the seminar or workshop participant to do is ask this simple question. What is it about our industry that really frustrates you? Now, what that question enables you to discover is that your decision maker will begin to reveal the frustrations they have with your competition. And they don't even necessarily, Bill, need to name the competitors. If you've done your research, you know who they are anyway. But as soon as they start to articulate those frustrations, what they're telling you is find a way to eliminate this frustration. And every time with my clients, when I urge them to knock out the frustration, what they just also did is given themselves a distinct competitive advantage. And they've obviously created value. So you create value by, once again, helping someone solve a problem, fill a need, realize a dream or a goal, or we can now add to that list, eliminate a frustration. That's what really drives decisions. That's how you create value. And that's why I stress to people, find ways to become a partner, not a vendor. They go, why? What's the difference? I go, a vendor is expendable. A partner is invaluable. How do you choose to be positioned? Excellent. Excellent tips there, Jeff. And it's really great talking with you about what you do and and how you do it. Um, 
a big question I would have now is what's changing in your marketplace with given the, the current state of things? Are business owners looking for different uh, outcomes today uh, from you than they were, uh, what, a month ago? Well, the outcomes aren't different, but obviously the methodology to communicate them is different. So living here in Chicago, the state of Illinois, we really had our first quarantine or shelter in place effective mid-March, and it was supposed to go to the end of March, and now obviously it's gone to the end of April, and as we continue to add more states, I think as of this morning, there was something like 38, 39 states that have already said, hey, stay put. So I'm not traveling. As a result of that, things that I would have done in person are now taking place via virtual or video result sessions, whether it's Skype or Zoom or GoToMeetings. But I've done that type of work with clients for years. There are actually some clients who physically I'm never with them, have never been with them. Ongoing work that we do has been through virtual sessions or via video. So the methodology has obviously changed significantly, and it requires adaptation, the likes of which we could never imagine. My dad, who passed away in February of last year. That was a very successful CPA and a lawyer. And he had a pretty simple saying, and that is that life is a series of adjustments. So this COVID-19 has proven to us that life is a continual series of adjustments. In early March, our eldest daughter, Brittany, and I spent daddy-daughter time together. And I said to her, hey, this might be our last daddy-daughter day before you actually become Mrs. Schwartz instead of Brittany Blackman because she was scheduled to get married on April the 18th. And she said to me in early March, Dad, do you think the wedding will be canceled because of what's now just starting with this virus? I said, honey, we don't know. Time will tell. Well, obviously, her wedding has been postponed. We don't know when. Likely at the end of 2020, but who knows? And that's really part of the enemy that we're battling here, Bill, is that it's this invisible enemy and it's hard to determine what might happen, which is why with those clients who I continue to serve, whether it's via video conference or over the telephone, I continually stress to them, do not worry about things you can't control. What can you control? And in a recent video session where we had the entire team together, I said, let's focus on all the things you cannot control. And we made a list. And then I said, now let's make a list of all the things that you can control. Which list is longer? And the list, which was longer, was actually the things they can control. I said, that's where hmm. we're going to spend our time. That's where we'll focus because that you can influence. The other stuff, do not worry about it because you can't control it. Be vigilant. Stay, stay healthy. Stay safe. If appropriate, stay home. Focus on what you can control. That's great. That's a great exercise. It sounds like something uh, a lot of our listeners could use to communicate with their employees and help them um, figure out, you know, not only what their their work life looks like, but how they can take control of their personal lives as well. You have a, a book out called uh, Peak Your Profits. Tell us a little bit about uh, your book, and uh, I know our uh, our listeners can get it on Amazon, but tell us about it, Peak Your Profits. So Peak Your Profits, the new edition, which is the fifth edition, is one of five books uh, that I've written. If folks go to Amazon, they'd also see one of my other books, which is kind of one of the two great big how-to books, one of them being Stop Whining, Start Selling, and that was originally published by uh, John Wiley. And then Peak Your Profits, now in its fifth edition, was published by Networlding. And the reason that's in its fifth edition is because 
when NetWorldings said, hey, Jeff, love it, let's update it, I realized the best place to start was not merely an update, but to really start from the beginning. So I truly rewrote the book, and I bet you probably 40 to 50% of the book is brand new content. So the title is Peak Your Profits. The subtitle is The Explosive Business Growth System. And what clients and readers have told me for years is that it does enable them to outsell and outserve and outmarket and outnegotiate their competition. So we take all of those key business growth skills, put it all into one book in terms of selling, serving, negotiating, marketing. You put all those skills together that will enable you to peak your profits as long as you first focus on what's important to your decision maker. They come first. That's what really drives what I call relationship power, which is the little r, which is your humanity and sincerity and courtesy and dignity, and that's always in play. But then you've got to have big r, Bill, and that's the ability to be a business growth specialist. So how do you help others maximize gain and minimize loss, improve performance, productivity, and profitability? And you need both. So you need to be a wonderful human being who's also focused on helping someone grow, either at the personal or the professional level. And that's why, you know, from what I've been told, that the book's been so successful over these years is because it really gives people immediate how-to strategies. And folks who know me real well, whether friends or clients, will say, hey, JB, which is what most folks call me, they go, I read your book and I thought you were sitting next to me reading it out loud to me because I write – just the way that I talk. So it's friendly and focusing and conversational, but it's real how to immediately implementable advice. Great stuff, Jeff. And uh, so for our listeners, remember, um, peak your profits. Remember to uh, email in Sweet 16. And don't forget the Bill Rocks part. And hey, uh, <laughs> and you can do that to, to, that's to Cheryl, S H E R Y L at jeffblackman.com. Check out mm-hmm. uh, Jeff's website, jeffblackman.com. Uh, and, uh, Jeff, I also note that you are a Vistage speaker, which uh, I'm also a member of that great organization. So if you're a Vistage member or chair and you're listening, uh, have Jeff uh, talk to your group virtually, in person, whatever, however you can get them. Get them in there. Um, Jeff, I really want to uh, thank you for joining me today. It was great tips. I took a whole page full of notes. I hope our listeners did, too. <laughs> And I, and I look forward to having you back because, I, you know, these first interviews, we, we just barely scratch the surface, but I really enjoyed what I've heard today. Thank you so much. Uh, Bill, the pleasure is mine. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 